0: Do you ever feel that in your hearts? Like I'm walking along, I have no need to walk on the grass. You put a sign there that says, keep off the grass. And in my heart, I go, I want to walk on the grass. Why? There are so many things that are out there that again, and by the way, different temptations to each one of us. But as soon as the law said, this is what you don't do, for many of us, we're like, "Well, well, now I want to. And so there was this brokenness in the process. For if the first covenant had been flawless, there would be no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, behold... Now, by the way, this is an actual quote of Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. This is the writer quotes this from the book of Jeremiah. For he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, again, why would you have to have a new covenant unless there was something wrong with the old covenant? But God goes, I'm going to establish a new covenant, which means by its nature, there's something wrong with the first covenant. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, which means they broke the covenant. How does, this, how does the covenant end? It is fulfilled or it's broken? For they did not continue my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. And they will, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And we have a God that comes in and goes, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit inside of you and I'm going to begin to speak to you. And by the way, that is what God does in this new covenant. He speaks his words even to our hearts and to our minds. Watch this. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Verse 12, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. I will remember their sins no more. See, there was no mercy in the first covenant. The first covenant was law, the first covenant was law, and if you broke the law, there had to be a sacrifice. Jesus comes along in a new covenant and gives us grace and mercy and remembers our sins no more. Remember, first covenant sins had to be paid for. Second covenant, they get forgotten. Now, this is the background to this reading plan. Yes, it is blood splatter. And I I know this is going to sound odd to you, but I appreciate that the makers of this reading plan use this background. We don't talk about the blood enough. We don't. You see, the thing is, is with the old covenant, is that you needed to have blood. And we'll get to that in more detail in just a minute. And I think that what happens is it's very easy to forget the costs. That the cost that for me to have mercy and for grace meant that his blood had to be shed. Now, we're going to break into that in a little more detail in a minute, but I want you to understand that when we see blood, if you come along and, and you see that, it makes us uncomfortable. There's a purpose to that because we know that blood is what brings life. And if there's a the loss of blood, we know there's a connection to that. There's something very visceral to it. I want us to hold on to that for a second. Verse 13. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. So Jesus makes the first one obsolete And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now, by the way, the writer who is writing this to a Jewish people who just said that the covenant that was under Abraham and under Moses, by the way, becomes obsolete. You have to understand this is hardcore stuff and very difficult for the Jewish people to swallow. And yet he is being bold and writing this passionately to say, listen, but what I'm telling you is there is a better covenant. You're not losing out. You're getting something far better because the old covenant was all about you and breaking the law and rolling back sin. This new covenant means you get grace and you get mercy and you get salvation. So with that, I want to share with you what happens as we go in to chapter 9. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and earthly places of holiness. So, so what I want you to understand is that in the tabernacle, and then ultimately the tabernacle becomes the temple, you had places that were considered holy and places in which sacrifices took place. You had the altar, you had a wash basin, you had these candelabras, but you had an outer court and then you had an inner court and then that inner court was the Holy of Holies. But in that... There was this place where, again, blood had to purify all things. Now, uh, I was this close to doing something that would have made you very uncomfortable, but um, uh, you're not in my high school camp. At high school camp, I would have done it to you in a heartbeat. Uh, Sunday morning, I ought to be careful because you're all wearing nice clothes. But um, in the process, I want you, So, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine because, again, if we were at camp, I would have done this to you. But in the process of that, when they basically purified or consecrated everything that had to do with that, they took blood, and they would take a branch, and they would go and they would cover or sprinkle. So they would go over the crowd and sprinkle blood over the crowd. They would pour blood over the altar. They would pour blood over everything. Now, I want you to imagine this. Close your eyes for a second. You've all been walking when you had a spray of something hit you. And in your mind, when you were in that crowd and that came at you, what was meant to say to you is, as you feel those drops hit you, is that it costs. Your sin costs. And I want you to just imagine that moment. You're wearing your clothes, and yet here comes Moses with this branch covered in blood, and he is just flicking that branch, and blood is kind of going everywhere to say, look, guys, we, none of us, escape this. For us to get this law and to do what we're doing, blood has got to be spilled, and you have got to be covered by it because it is the blood of these animals. and Their life had to be given so that you could roll this back. Can you imagine that moment? And as you looked down and saw the stains on your clothes, you realized this very, again, visceral moment of that it took a life of another being just to roll your sins back. Not pay for them. Roll them back. And then everything that had to do with the tabernacle had to be covered with this blood. To sanctify it, to set it apart, so that's what happens in the first part of chapter 9. I'm going to jump down to verse 7. But in the second, but into the second only the high priest. So what they had is they had an outer court. Outer court is where the Jewish men could go. There was even an outer court of that. That's where the women and the Gentiles could go. But in the inner court, that's where the men could go. But then there was this place, and it's where the, only the high priest could go. So this is what we're talking about in verse 7. But into the second, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, for which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. So as the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies, he takes blood and spreads the blood on uh, on the ark, in the Holy of Holies. Because again, it costs. Now why are we talking about all of this Old Testament stuff? Because... It's about to hit us where we are at. Verse 8. But this Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. Which means the Holy Spirit is trying to say, look, when you have this system where you need all the sacrifices, if that is still there, then you don't get into the Holy of Holies. So when Jesus came along, he goes, look, I want to stop all of this animal sacrifice. Because it only comes down to one sacrifice. And that one sacrifice is me pouring my blood into the Holy of Holies. That's what's being talked about. Verse 9. Which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Again, they were doing all of this stuff. They were cleansing things, but it wasn't getting into their hearts. I I need you to grasp this. They could do the rituals that made it so whatever they did or touched or do this, yes, you can pour blood on it and you can do this, but it wasn't changing what was going on inside of them. I'm going to read this to you again. Which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. So yes, Outwardly, if you did something, or we okay, we can give you washings, you can eat the special food, you can have the sacrifice, we can do this, but it doesn't get down to the core issue that you and I have. Verse 11, but when Christ, oh, I know I get in trouble when I do this. I love butts in the Bible because butts in the Bible become these moments of saying, This is when it changes. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come. Then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So you need to understand something. Jesus... The high priest in the order of Melchizedek goes not into the tent, not into the the one that was a pattern, not in the one that was a shadow. He goes into the place in which all of this is actually kind of mimicked off of. He goes into heaven, into the temple that is the Holy of Holies. And listen to me, he spreads his blood that has the power not just to roll sin back, but by the way, to deal with our very nature and who we are. And he sets us free. And he washes us. And he redeems us. And he gives us life. And we now, for the first time, don't have to go through a priest, don't have to go through sacrifice, don't have to go through washings. We get to come into the presence of the Almighty God and say, Dad. Dad. And we then get to be in his presence because Jesus went to the of place and gave of his pure, perfect blood and poured it out, making it possible for you and me. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify their purification of the flesh, watch this, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. We have a greater high priest. We have a better covenant because of what he did in that Place. Verse 15, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal life. Let's talk about this. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal life since death has occurred that redeems them. A death occurred that redeems them. His death makes it possible from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. He is the mediator of a new covenant. When we get to Jesus with his disciples in the upper room, in communion we have this here, you need to understand that Jesus is doing so many things in that moment. They are celebrating Passover. They are looking back to this time when they were in Egypt and, and, and the angel passed over, and if they had the if they had the bread and, the, and if they had put the blood over the doorpost, they were saved. And they're celebrating that. So Jesus is coming to Passover. And then he takes these emblems and he goes, no, no, no. You need to understand this bread and this cup that we use to talk about the Passover, we're now gonna change it. And this is what he says in Luke twenty two twenty. He gives them the bread, says, this is my body. I'm the sacrifice. I'm coming. I'm gonna lay down my life. But look what he says in verse 20. And likewise, the cup after he had eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, which you're about to experience when they beat me and they flog me and they put me on the cross. When you watch blood drip from the crossbeams of the cross, when you see blood splatter down on the ground, you need to know I'm establishing a new covenant. I am going into the Holy of Holies, not the one on earth, not the one in the temple. I am going into the presence of God, and my blood is going there to redeem you and to give you life and to give you a new way and to give you a new hope. When you watch the beaten, bloodied body of Jesus, he is pouring out of himself a new covenant. It is interesting, the part I left out, the part I left out is that when Moses would sprinkle the crowd, it was blood mixed with water. When they took the spear and pushed it into his side, what came out of his side? Water mixed with blood. It is a new covenant. And we as Gentiles, this is written to a group of Hebrews trying to get them out of their ideas of their Judaism and how they define themselves. But we as Gentiles get brought into the family through the access of the new covenant because we get sprinkled and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Never be ashamed of the blood of Jesus Christ. Never be ashamed that he was willing to have his body tortured and torn apart so that you and I could have access to a brand new covenant. By the way, with the new parties, new terms, new promises. And by the way, his promises are really good. For where a will is, a will... Yes, they had wills in the New Testament. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not enforced so long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. When Jesus dies, he covers all that first covenant. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Folks, your and my sin cost, period, end of story. What you think you're doing behind closed doors and nobody sees, he still paid for it. What you've done and you've embarrassed about, he paid for it. It costs. Not silver, not gold, not time, not anything else. It costs his blood. And everything you have done and everything you will do, he has redeemed and washed, and he has taken your sin as far as the east is from the west because he has created a new covenant. Verse 23. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves were the better sacrifices than these. So yes, so we understand this was necessary, the copies of the heavenly things. So yes, we would go into the tabernacle and they would put blood on the altar. And yes, they would go into the temple and they would put, but those were copies. But listen, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. And Jesus goes and makes a way. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For he would have had to offer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all to the end of the ages. Watch this, I love this phrase, to put away sin. To put away sin. By the sacrifice of himself. Himself allows him to say, sin, you're done. You're put away. You don't have the weight. You don't have the ability to cause damage. I, because of my sacrifice, because of what I've done, I take sin and I put it away. Verse 27. And just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment... Verse 28, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, watch this, not to deal with sin. I do believe there's a second coming. I'm wanting it to come now. I want him to come back. But when he comes back, he's not coming back to deal with sin because he's already dealt with sin. Listen to me. He's already dealt with sin. He took care of sin on the cross. He washed us. He gave us life. He established a new covenant. So when he comes back, sin's not what he's here to do. Watch what it is. But to save. When he comes back, it's not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. I am eagerly waiting for His return. And while I'm here, eagerly waiting for Him to come back, may I be about His business. May I be about the things that would honor Him because I cannot imagine how much He loves me that He would take His blood and shed it for me and make it possible for me to stand in a new covenant. So let me explain something to you. We do baptism services here. We don't have a baptismal in the room, so we set it up, and we put our baptistry out right over here, and we have people who come and are baptized. The reason why that's so significant is that I believe baptism is a way for us to, by the way, to be in that process of what takes place in that new covenant. Yes, you are dying to your old self, and you're coming out of the water, born again, brand new, but there's this other thing that happens is that we are washed, now, folks, it would be gruesome if our baptistry was, covered, was filled with blood, right? But the water does represent the fact that I am washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so one of the reasons why I think baptism is so significant and why I, I, I so encourage people to go through it is it's this moment that you get to say, I am a part of this new covenant because he has washed me. And I am in this. And then when Jesus, going and says, go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, he saw the significance of that moment. So why do I tell you that? Folks, we can't get away from the blood. We can't. As gruesome, as gruesome as it is, that's why we say, that the cross is beautiful. This torture device, this form of execution becomes for us emblems, jewelry. This that is on our stage says that a person gave of his blood to give us life. So, I wanna share this with you and then I'm done. You today can be a part of a brand new covenant with parties, terms, and promises. The parties are you and God. The terms are as you give your life to him and he promises to forgive you of your sins and He gives you promises of eternal life. You can be a part of a new covenant. But it didn't come without a price and it doesn't come without blood. And I just want you to sit with that and understand that. And know that his blood covers us. And it's, I just, I can't imagine being in that crowd with that blood hitting my skin and my clothes and me having to understand, it costs. It costs. And by the way, it cost him everything for you and for me. Next week, we have a five-day plan The challenges of holding fast. How do we hold on? Because sometimes it's hard. And I hope you'll join us in this reading plan. All you have to do is go on the YouVersion app, ask to be a friend of Cedars Church. As soon as you are, we'll invite you into the reading plan, and you can journey with us as we continue through this book of Hebrews. But today, I hope that you will understand the power of a new covenant. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father. I'm overwhelmed sometimes at the cost of what you did for me, for me. I can't imagine that you would pay for the sins that I've done, that your blood was worthy. (laughs) Your beautiful blood would come and cover that vileness that I've participated in. But that's what you do. And you do so so that I can have access to the Father But Father, I would ask that we would step into a new covenant with you, a new time with you, a new place with you, and we would see how beautiful the blood of Jesus is and how beautiful the rugged cross is, that old rugged cross that's soaked in your blood to say, yes, I give them life. Through my death, I give them life life. And so, Father, be with us as we just sit with the truth of a new covenant in you. And I pray this all in the beautiful name of your Son, who would love us so much to do that. In his name and in his name alone, Jesus Christ, amen.